Uh, good morning, everyone. My question to you this morning is, how do we do this? If uh, our mission at Door of Hope is to be Jesus-centered, others-focused together in community, how do we do this? This street scene that was played out, how do we engage in that? And so I want to invite my friends this morning. We're going to have a discussion. Uh, my name is uh, Danny, and I'm not part of the team here at Door of Hope. Um, and so it's my privilege, though, to be uh, responding to uh, an invitation from the team to consider uh, what it means to do welcome everybody always. We've been in this season of everybody always, and the first part of the title has changed. Welcome everybody always. What does that mean for us today? So as I thought about this, I thought, you know what? Um, I could prepare uh, a 30-minute message or a sermon, if you want to use that word, um, and it would remain somewhat abstract, I think. Uh, that's on one side. On the other side, inherently, we know in our Christian tradition, in our, in our practice, uh, we see it in the life of Jesus, we see it in the Old Testament Scripture, uh, we see it in the New Testament part of the Bible. Uh, it's inherently part of our Christian tradition, our Christian faith, to welcome people. But how do we go about that? And so what does it mean to do this in this context that we live in today? In Launceston, in Tasmania, in Australia, in the eyes of the world, how do I engage in welcoming somebody else that's different to me? And so I want to outline a bit of a framework before we get started. Um, this is based on two things. Uh, that I want to focus on today. And the first one is that we're going to be speaking specifically about cross-cultural engagement. So how can I, a middle-aged, white, westerner, uh, engage with another person who has a different worldview than I do? So the term cross-cultural refers to uh, opportunities of at least two cultures uh, coming together and what we mean by culture is um, this uh, concept that encapsulates religious belief, uh, perspective of the world, um, maybe values, a set of values that a person has. So how do those group of things in this culture integrate with these group of things over in this culture over here? So crossing cultures means that sooner or later, in this day and age, I will face someone who sees the world differently than I do. So that's the first thing that we're going to focus on today. The second thing is that we're not going to talk about um, what it means to welcome people into our community of faith, into our church. Thanks, Amanda, for pointing out before uh, what happened yesterday and the, the support that we were able to provide to these guests. However, today that's not what we're going to be talking about. What we need to be talking about is how do we welcome, how do I welcome in the context of the street that I live in? So they're the two things. And with that in mind, I want to introduce our panel to you. And I'm going to sit next to Biz. This is Biz Towns. And um, Biz uh, was, was born in uh, Ethiopia. And uh, she was adopted and came to Australia uh, as a 12-year-old, I think and so has been uh, studying and uh, recently completed her master's in social work. And so she's going to be speaking today and sharing with us in the, 
in the context of the Migrant Resource Centre and the opportunities uh, that she's had uh, there. She's married uh, to T, and uh, she told me yesterday that um, people call him T because we can't pronounce his name. So we'll call him Mr. T, perhaps, if we, if we get a chance. So uh, welcome, Biz. I want to introduce you also to Graham. Graham uh, Poole, he's a medical doctor, and uh, Graham is married to um, Linda because we were talking about her daughter, who I got confused with Linda. Apparently, they look a lot alike. He has three children, and Graham spent some time as a, as a missionary in the medical context in South Sudan, which is predominantly a tribal a worldview, I think I can say that, and also a Muslim context as well. And uh, our link with Graham is actually in relation to uh, Luke and Bev, who are friends of Door of Hope, and actually, if you want to know specifically what Luke and Bev and her, their family are doing uh, near uh, this same area, you should talk to uh, Graham because he has significant insight into the things that they're facing right now. So welcome, uh, Graham. I also want to introduce you to my friend Pilsoon. Pilsoon Jennings uh, is, uh, Pilsoon is from South Korea. Uh, she's married to Mark and has two girls. And um, Pilsoon spent some time in Nepal before... Uh, coming to a terms with obedience to go to Mongolia and has uh, spent seven years in Mongolia before moving to Launceston to live uh, on campus uh, with us at Worldview Centre for Intercultural Studies. So we welcome you, soon as well. And I want to also introduce you to Jim. Uh, Jim has an has a interesting beginning to life. So Jim was born in Papua, uh, has a Dutch birth certificate, I think is what you said, is that right? And you have two children that were born in Thailand, three children that were born in Thailand. And so uh, Jim uh, is with WEC International, which is a mission agency that focuses on church planting and unreached people groups. And Jim comes to this uh, conversation from a, a Buddhist uh, point of view. So what does it mean to engage with, uh, with Buddhism? So we look forward to your insight as well. And today, he. Um, asked me to keep this a secret between us, but I'm going to mention you all, introduce you to the secret that is his birthday today. So, so would you welcome, uh, let's uh, join in and welcome everybody this morning, so welcome. And uh, let's get underway. Uh, the first question I want to ask, before we talk about welcoming people, we need to understand what it might mean to define that word welcome. So maybe starting with uh, Biz, if you want to uh, answer this question, how have you experienced uh, the welcome of others in your life? Um, yeah, I don't think it's on, yeah, it's on there. Um, so yeah, my name is Biz. Uh, I think my first welcome experience is, as Danny mentioned, is through my adoptive parents who um, had no knowledge of what the other side of the world is, but took the risk to adopt and to include me in their family. And coming to Australia, meeting lots of people through school, through community, I felt included and I felt loved. I, I felt accepted um, into the family and to the community and, and valued as a, a member of the community. Mm, yeah. Great, thanks. Great. Uh, when we went to South Sudan, we were obvious outsiders. Uh, it was the first time I really experienced life as a minority. And so we needed a lot of help uh, to connect in that culture and get to know the context. 
Uh, we had a beautiful woman, Kazia, uh, who took the time to teach us Arabic. Um, but a, a lot of our lessons ended up heading into culture and trying to understand. And so often we were saying, we just don't get what's going on in this situation. Can you help us understand? And so she played an incredibly beautiful role for us, giving us the time, the patience, the expertise to grow into a new context and work out how to do life there. Mm. Um, one other thing I'd mention, in our context, we attended two funerals, which sounds like a pretty dark thing to mention in terms of welcoming, but for us to enter into a new culture, um, to participate in that because we'd experienced the death of the person uh, that was being buried um, was a privilege to be invited into that space. Mm. Uh, and that has relevance, I guess, when we're looking at people in our context and what sort of events we may engage them with. Um, we certainly felt welcomed and had a sense of belonging and place uh, in this new culture that we were seeking to build into. Right. Thanks, Ryan. Phil Soon. Yeah, during my um, early years living in Australia, my Australian friends invited my husband and I for their family Christmas gatherings. Because we didn't have any family members in town, it was really special for me, especially to understand um, Australian culture. And similarly, back uh, in Mongolia, my family were in Mongolia, um, we are invited by Mongolian friends, their New Year festivals. So that was very special for us to be included in their family and culture. Mm. Thank you. Uh, two brief contexts. Uh, moving from WA to another unreached people group, the Victorians. Um, <laughs> I had to learn the language and culture. Um, drove over the Nullarbor with just uh, our belongings, uh, no house to go to and no furniture. Uh, so we stayed in a granny flat with a friend, uh, free of rent for a month while we hunted for a house um, and able to store furniture there. Uh, found a house full of furniture, which is a miracle, and uh, friends and uh, colleagues helped to shift. So very practical things like mm. that uh, really helped us to assimilate into Victoria and we love it there and uh, happy to stay there for, for a while. Um, with Thailand, um, similarly to Graham, um, having people that are very patient uh, with us, learning the language, learning the culture, having a friend, I, mean, I went there single, so having a, a friend, a Thai friend, who not only taught me language, but helped me understand the culture, what to do, what not to do, and very patiently walked me through that and protected me in some ways. Uh, and later on, having our children and having neighbours actually uh, looking after our children. Uh, we felt safe, we could go down the market and just leave them for a few hours. They're playing in their houses with the kids. Uh, so we really felt uh, a good bond with, uh, with the Thai folk there. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And, and I'll pick up on what Jim said uh, before about uh, the practical elements to, that, that, that come forward when it comes to welcoming. Uh, Christy had the chance to uh, visit Hong Kong and when you think about practicalities, um, Hong Kong welcoming is not so much about uh, inviting you to your house or to your apartment because it's so small. So actually, uh, in order to feel welcome, uh, you actually get taken out to dinner and restaurants and that sort of thing and, and around um, feasting, but it doesn't happen in the home. So it's, it's interesting how even practical uh, elements play a role in the way that we welcome. 
But um, what about if we flip the coin? What, what happens then uh, in your experience? Uh, I'll open it up to anyone. What has been your experience of not feeling welcome? Anybody want to answer that? Uh, I don't know if you've been in the situation when someone cracks a joke and everyone else laughs and you just don't get it. <laughs> um, that was our common experience uh, in South Sudan when stuff is going on and we just didn't get what's gone on. And it was obvious that everyone else did, but we didn't. Uh, many of the people that we were with would speak four or five languages, which is a really unfamiliar territory for many of us as Australians, being used to only one language. And so to be in situations where we knew people could understand and people could understand culture, but no one took the time to actually help us and be that bridge into the context uh, that was a really confronting thing for us often. Yeah. Great, thanks for sharing. Anybody else? Um, when we first went to Thailand, um, you're called a farang. Farang is an abbreviated, uh, abbreviated term for farang set, which is actually a French person because the French were colonising in the Southeast Asia. So we were all French people. Every white skin was a farang. So being called, hey you, farang, uh, continually down the street uh, is a bit affronting. Uh, we went to live in Cambodia and we were barang. Hey, barang, barang. So that was a bit confronting. And we went to the Philippines on a short-term mission trip and it was, hey, Joe. So, you know, G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> so those kind of things do great on you. Um, the other thing was um, often, I mean, in Cambodia, you, you'd be given the electricity bill. We're renting a house there and there's two rates, one for the foreigner, one for the local. So you... Yeah, those kind of things do great on you. Um, going to the zoo, um, and because of, we can read and speak Thai, uh, there's two signs there, one price for the foreigners, and then in Thai language and in Thai numerals, the price for the locals. Um, so you, you could take a front on that, but I kind of tried to use it as a means of getting to know them, and so I'd say, look, I'm not really a foreigner, and um, I speak your language, I love your food, I love your people, and after a while, they let us in for the same price. Yeah. So, you know, there's ways around it. Yeah. Feel soon? Yeah. As uh, Graham said before, living as non-native English speaker in Australia, so when some friends invite me as they, uh, to their social gatherings, and if they speak fast and if that I don't understand their jokes and sometimes if people don't have any uh, acknowledge or appreciation of other people like uh, someone from other context and I felt uh, unwelcome or excluded. Mm. Thank you. So uh, based on what we've just talked about then uh, I'm going to throw over to you Biz. I wonder whether you would be able to define what welcoming is. Um, yeah, so I think for me, welcoming is about a, a practical, like an offer for people, so it's providing something practical so that the people know that you're welcoming them, so being open and hospitable and accepting people for who they are rather than where they come from or what they do, um, what they what they look like or yeah so I think people like a lot of the things is about investing time um, and be, not being judgmental to mm. people so that's that's for me that's welcoming yeah. yeah 
Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah, I had just a posture of openness, um, offering yourself, offering friendship, time, patience, uh, truly engaging with people and having a willingness to adjust and adapt yourself and to approach life together and view life together and to have a journey actually learning uh, two perspectives and to adjust and adapt to that. Yeah. I wrote here, welcome is, is more than just a warm smile and friendly hello. And I find it, many Australians are very friendly and kind at the beginning, um, but it is more, it, it is inviting people into your house and into your life. Especially in Korean culture, hospitality is a very important, a big part of welcoming others. Um, defining welcoming is, um, I mean, you can go to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What, does, what, do, what do humans need to feel like belonging, shelter, food, social, all of those things are, are needs of humanity. So it's not just welcoming to a meal or to a party, there's a lot of aspects there in welcoming, helping people to integrate uh, into society. Um, if I can just give a quick story, um, from Perth, we live in a suburb where it was fast becoming a, an enclave of a particular ethnic minority group. And we saw it as an opportunity to befriend. My wife is a people person, she loves people, and she was going, visiting, giving gifts. And we invited this family um, who had just come from Asia, um, didn't know anybody, and so invited them to our Christmas party and, uh, and later on to our, uh, swim in the pool with the kids. Uh, we had a pool in the backyard. And over time, th there was a good friendship that developed uh, with her, and my, my wife and this lady, and myself and, and, and the husband, and uh, gave him a, a New Testament to read, and we had conversations, and we began praying for them. So as a as a follower of Jesus, the greatest gift that I could give someone is actually Jesus. Mm. And uh, we began praying for this family. They lived w with us for two years and they went over to Sydney, had no contact with them. But we met randomly another uh, Christian worker uh, from Sydney at a, at a meeting. And she knew we had this family that come from Perth. And uh, we, were, we were praying for someone to actually help and, uh, and then they started talking, we realized that was the same couple that we had befriended. It was amazing. So the welcoming, I think, is, 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 a, is a comprehensive thing. It's practical, emotional, and spiritual. Great. I want to uh, pick on you, Graham, um, because I just found out this morning that uh, you are wearing lycra um, and riding a bike. Not right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under your shirt now. Um, what, what does what has that um, brought to light in this, in this context of... Um, so I've been a runner. Um, Steve and I are similar pace at Park Run. You get to know people of similar pace. Um, I've developed some aches and pains before him, so I've just shifted to buying a road bike. And I went with some guys and we're riding through town and I, I don't have all the gear, I've got most, so there's certain parts where I am actually not dressed appropriately and I sense that. Um, 
And then riding through Launceston, I have normally driven in a car and know my way through, but the cycling routes are different. They're safer, they avoid lights, they avoid hills, all this kind of local knowledge. Um, they get to cafes that are friendly to cyclists rather than not friendly. It's, it's um, the lycra, it's not the friendliness. <laughs> it's the... Um, but I needed one of my friends to be almost a coach through that, to help me understand what's the etiquette mm. amongst bike riders, what's the way through. Um, I've realised now that I get hurled abuse from cars, um, where I thought previously I've driven next to that car and we've had no issues at all. Um, but now because I'm on a bike and identified differently and I'm viewing things from a minority perspective, it's very different. So that's been kind of an analogy for me to get some insight into what it means to be in my context here, but not viewing as the majority, um, viewing life as a persecuted minority. <laughs> Moving on then. Uh, I wonder whether you, anyone uh, of you could verbalise what are the challenges that Australians face when welcoming others from other cultures? And of course we know that the term Australian uh, is multifaceted, but just generally speaking, as Australian Aussies, what are the challenges that uh, we face when welcoming others from other contexts, other cultures? Maybe Biz, if you want to start. Yeah, I'll start. Um, so, uh, as Danny mentioned, I did my placement um, at the Migrant Resource Centre last year. Um, and through, also through my social work study, I experienced that a lot of people fear um, the difference, like the difference they have between the other and them. Um, and they often focus on the difference rather than the similarity, which is the human connection with others. Um, and during the, the placement at the migrant resource centre, people coming, or the, the white Australians find that there's a lot of barriers that they feel that they can't break. So uh, there are obvious things like language, but that can be surpassed by just a, a simple hello, a simple approach to people, just to just make connections and friendship with others. But a lot of it is just um, being worried uh, of the differences and cultural differences and, uh, and they just don't want to take the risk to kind of overcome those simple barriers mm -hmm. for me. So it's people being scared of the unknown and um, yeah, it's fear for me and which a lot of it comes from the social media as well, um, which labels people, puts label on others uh, and so that scares people to take risk and take a step to say hello to someone or to make friendship, which can be a beautiful thing. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll come to social media in just a moment, but uh, Jim, I want to ask you um, um, to verbalise, maybe flesh out for us this concept of fear. So what does it mean for us as Australians to be afraid um, and how does that play out? Um, I think sometimes we can stereotype um, people from certain ethnic backgrounds and one way I've found helpful to undo that uh, is I run befriending Buddhist workshops. Um, so uh, 
it can be from three days to one day, depending on the context, but giving a history um, and some of the insight into their worldview, how they see things. Um, but at the end of that uh, session, uh, we'll go to a temple and we'll prearrange it and talk to the, the lay people there and the priests, um, sometimes even have a meal or just chat and talk and ask questions and answer questions. And it's amazing to, to, to look around at the students or people that uh, come and, and, and the debriefing afterwards, it's like, I, I mean, one of the priests from Thailand actually spoke with a real Aussie accent. We end up talking about footy teams that we follow. And it's like, they're just like, you know, normal human people. And so this disarming, I think, is an important part and breaking away from this fear. Uh, they're, they're human people like us and we, we can love them and talk with them and accept them. Yeah. Um, I'd use the word disorientation. Um, when I first visited Africa as a 20-year-old, it was first time really to that continent, and I remember getting struck by the blackness of everyone. And I was so obviously white. And it really shocked me. And I retreated because I was disorientated. I don't think there was as much fear as disorientation. I don't know how things work here. And I don't know where I fit. And I'm so publicly obvious. Everyone's looking at me. And what if I make mistakes? And so I think when we have a cross-cultural opportunity, we have that disorientation. And you may be of the temperament of shrinking back. You may be of the temperament of curiosity and reaching forward. But in terms of the true engagement, human to human, we need to get used to feeling disorientated, uncertain, things being messy, things being awkward, and that being okay. And for the sake of connecting with another human being, we offer the willingness to keep going and the willingness to take some steps forward. And most of the time, it's reciprocated. And it's a beautiful opportunity to actually be engaging and learning and growing together. So that would be my encouragement. Fear might be a word that resonates, disorientation or awkwardness. Um, but encouraging and a push through because on the other side, you're actually connecting human to human and there's a lot we can learn. Yeah, and I t we take on, point, uh, on board your points trying to connect the dots here about you don't need to go to an African context to feel the same thing. You can just put on a different attire to do a different activity and you feel the same thing. So you don't have to go overseas necessarily. So I appreciate that. But let's pick on, on this idea of social media. Um, and I think it, we can't ignore it. Um, and uh, we have a range of people here that would either engage fully in um, social network or would actually not engage in any social network. But um, what's interesting uh, for me in the context of New Zealand and the attacks on, on the mosques and then this, this rhetoric that um, comes, it's not the, the action, um, it's actually the response to that action that gets fleshed out and uh, sometimes are blown out of, out of proportion. Uh, that's on one side and then we look at our own context in light of uh, our Prime Minister who's having 
a, a conversation, if you like, with the president of Turkey and, and just some of the language that comes out of that and what that means for us in the way that we engage socially online. What would be your advice? How do we do this? How do I do Jesus uh, in front of my um, device? Okay, moving on then. <laughs> um, could I pick up something? I think there's so many different ways human beings communicate. And in our culture, we're used to words and direct speech. Many of the cultures that we've had experience in, there's so much going on in the human-to-human -human encounter that doesn't involve the words. There's a lot of non-verbal stuff. There's a lot of understanding of context expressing with body language and tone. And that's really difficult, difficult digitally. So I find um, it hard to engage online for really complex cross-cultural issues. And I'd really encourage, if you're exploring some of this, engage face-to-face. -face. Because in that face-to-face -face context, there's often a lot more grace and forgiveness for our mistakes. Emojis don't cut it when you really need to be communicating a lot of nuance. And the word nuance, I think, is an important one that um, I've been reflecting on in the lead up to this. It's the in-between things um, that need to be understood, not just what is being said. Um, but uh, Jim, I want to throw to you for maybe a comment in terms of um, not so much the social networking, but um, how do we, how are we to be Christ-centered, others-focused, if you want to use that language, in an environment, um, not environmental, political environment that is, um, um, there's some heat around some of the things that we're talking about. How, how do I live that out? How do I do Jesus in the sense of uh, political stuff? Um, if you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the prophets and the leaders, uh, the followers of God, were very active um, politically. And um, if truth is lost in the public square, it does affect society. So I think as Christians, uh, we have a calling to be active in the public square in whatever role that might be. But I would echo uh, Graham's words, uh, to be very careful in how you do that, to be very Christ-like. Uh, social media is, is uh, one avenue. Um, where you can put truth into the equation and into the discussion uh, with humility and respect. Um, and there's people that do that very effectively. Uh, there's Christian groups that do that. Um, I have some friends that do it. They love doing it. And they spend, I don't know what they do for work because that's, there's so many posts and conversations they were involved in. I, I don't have the time to do that. But uh, if, you, if it's... If it's your thing, um, I, I would encourage you to do it. I think it is an avenue that um, I think we are going through a cultural revolution in Australia, and I think Christians need to be very active uh, in the public square. Yeah. Anybody want to comment, Graham or this one? Um, there's going to be a whole lot more of the identity politics stuff going on. And so as I've reflected on that, um, a verse in Acts 17 when Paul was speaking in Athens... He says, from one man, God made every nation that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. 
God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. This concept of racism I don't understand. Theologically, we're one human race. And deep down, that's been a really helpful grounding for me. Um, many define race by the physical appearance. Someone looks African, looks Asian. But when an African marries a Caucasian and the child is born, what race do they belong to? It falls down. So we're theologically one human race made by one God, but given this incredible diversity of ethnicity and language. And the one true and living God wants to reach out to every person from every language, tribe, people and nation. That's where the world is heading. And we are a multi-ethnic family of God that come together having been called from many different diverse backgrounds to come to the Lord Jesus and see him and worship him. So we as a multi-ethnic family of God, if we can work this out, then we may have an offering to the world that is very unique and it's on a different page to the identity politics discussion that will go on. I'm starting to relate to people Whatever layers are in front of me, deep down this person is a person made in the image of God. That's deeper than gender. It's deeper than ethnicity. It's deeper than personality, than language, than temperament. Now they might not understand that that's their deep identity. But if I start relating there, then the relationship actually has a theologically solid ground. And my hope would be that as I engage, all of the layers, at some point, the Lord might help line them all up so they're consistent with that created identity. Mm. Thanks for sharing. So um, I'm going to ask Pilsoon this question. So this coming back to, again, the concept of welcoming, is it something that, um, uh, so welcoming another person from another culture, is it an activity that I just uh, live out passively or should I actively uh, pursue um, welcoming others from other contexts? What would your answer be to that question? Passive or active? What would be your question? Naturally, it's easier for me to welcome same culture people, but I think uh, we need to actively seek out opportunities. Unless you don't seek out opportunities, the, especially people from another culture, I don't think they really have a brave um, to approach you. So what I'm doing, um, for me, I have heart for Afghan community here in Launceston. So one day I went to town and walked around the city and I met one Afghan lady at the bus stop um, in town. I said hello and start to talk with the other lady and had some questions and I found out uh, she has a daughter who goes to the same high school as my daughters. So I was so happy and we are both really happy and then I asked one day and can I visit your place with my daughter? That's a good connecting point. 
And she said yes, so I went to her place. And through that connection, I made more Afghan friends in my life. And they invited me for the um, festivals and social gatherings. So for me, it's we need to seek actively. Mm. Yeah. Good. Do you want to speak into that a little bit more? Yeah, I think as Christians, it's a personal responsibility to welcome others. I believe that um, God, if God can accept us and he actively seeks out for us as sinners, I think we have a responsibility to reach out to his people as well. So I believe that it is an active participation in our, in our um, ability to seek out friendships and to seek out and to reach out to people through God's love. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So uh, recently, um, there was a family that I noticed in my street that moved uh, just across the uh, road from our uh, college. Uh, they are from India, so they're an Indian family with three kids. And um, I noticed that um, the dad was taking the kids to school up the road, the primary school. Um, two of the kids were um, school-aged, and then there was a toddler that he would carry up the, up the street. Um, I um, want to ask the question, how do I welcome them? I have spoken to him. His English is not very good at all. Um, it's very broken down. Um, his wife came earlier, uh, maybe 12 months earlier or less, uh, to begin work um, as, a, as, an, as a carer. So my question is, how do I welcome them? I remember, um, sorry, just to interrupt Steve, uh, in our youth days um, um, with our youth group, he would say, if you spot it, you got it. Um, I think he was talking more about rubbish, more, more so than anything. But... Um, as I was asking this question, I thought of that. I thought, I spot it. I got it. Um, it's my responsibility to welcome. So what do I do? How do I engage? Any? Um, yeah, so I, through like meeting people, um, new arrivals through the Migrant Resource Centre, a lot of the communities in Launceston actually give them practical support. So they cook meals take it to their house, enjoy it together, or go and um, take them out for grocery shopping and things like that, or offer your support. But more than that, I think it's taking the time to get to know them and to spend time and to listen and actually get to know their story um, and letting people be who they are rather than le letting be people be who they are and get to know them as, as they are rather than associating them with the, their cultural groups or backgrounds. So I think the best gift you can give people is your time, um, especially in this world that's everything is so quick and fast and rush. So I think it's, yeah, spend time and get to know the, their story and just develop the friendship. Great, thanks. Anybody else? Um, for most of the world, soccer is the universal language, Indians cricket. Um, so non-verbally, if the man doesn't speak any English, you can play cricket, a lot gets communicated there. Um, so be willing to enter their world, um, be willing to be open with your family. Um, there's often connection points, uh, father to father, mother to mother. Kids are often fantastic once the kids are playing, the parents become friends, that's how our life's working at the moment. Um, 
and understand their context a bit if you're inviting them over to your place. It is a challenge. You've got to start thinking, well, what meat is appropriate? Um, is there anything else that I would just normally do that I'm a bit blind to? So if there's a Indian that you know well, look, I want to invite this Indian family over. Help me understand where would the tension points be and how could I best serve them and welcome them? Mm. Um, many migrants live in our town and have never entered the home of an Australian. And that's partly because of our awkwardness. Um, but creating those moments are pretty rich. Thank you. All right, well, just in finishing then, I wonder whether there's anything that you want to say, um, verbalise something that's on your heart or uh, anything that you're itching to, to verbalise to, to our community here. Now's your chance. Um, read through the Gospels with cross-cultural eyes and you'll see Jesus speaking to Samaritans, cultural barrier. Speaking to Gentiles, cultural barrier. Going to homes across cultures, um, in working his way into the home of Zacchaeus, lots of cultural dynamics and political dynamics. And Jesus had an incredible way of seeking people out and taking those, creating those active opportunities. If we're his apprentices, we can learn from that. Reread the Gospels with cross-cultural lenses. And particularly if you can read the scriptures with someone from a different language group, they will notice things that have always been there. We've just been blind to them. And once you start noticing that happening in the life of Jesus, as his apprentices, we walk in his ways. Thank you. And I just want to share a verse in Matthew. Matthew 5, 46, 48. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your, fa your heavenly Father is perfect. So I just want to encourage you with that as well. So just pay attention to what's around you. Um, look out for people who might be isolated and lonely. So, yeah, that's my encouragement. Thank you. Uh, seeing we're all sharing verses, one that uh, comes to my mind is from Proverbs. Uh, he who waters will himself be watered. And as we go through that act of giving of our time and our resources, uh, friendship, uh, it's actually reciprocal. And you actually do receive a lot, a lot more than what you're actually giving. Um, our three kids uh, grew up in Southeast Asia. They're third culture kids. They're much more broad-minded and accepting and enriched for their experience so don't be afraid of that the other thing also just briefly is um, welcoming and assimilating people into our culture is an important thing uh, but don't be afraid also of little ethnic uh, groups that spring up even church ethnic groups that spring up living in melbourne is a real eye-opener uh, and seeing that on a larger scale large churches that have multi-ethnic churches under their umbrella and uh, that integration is actually healthy uh, ralph winter the um, uh, founder of joshua project and such like uh, came up with this very deep missiological term not his own but he said he said birds of a feather flock together it's okay and and i think that w we can relax about that uh, welcoming assimilating them as much as we can but um, 
if they want to do things their own way in certain things, that's, that's also okay. Thank you. And so it's with that in mind that we approach this concept of our communion. And really the, the idea of, of gathering out around a table and uh, remembering what Jesus did is something that uh, we do not because uh, we ought to do it. Uh, we don't do it because it's something that uh, we tick off, like a box of some sort. But it's actually, um, if I can speak in terms of welcoming, it's a response to somebody that, someone, that somebody did first, that being Jesus himself. I can only come to the table, uh, the communion table. I can only remember him because he first did something. And that is that he uh, lived cross-culturally uh, in our context, in our world, and uh, paid the ultimate price so that we could all live cross-culturally and engage with each other. And so I love the concept of a feast, and that's something that we can't do practically. But as we take communion, may this be a reminder that we are coming to him because he did something first. He welcomed me first. He welcomed us first. And uh, uh, I just um, reflect on Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2 is a, is a picture of uh, what the end will look like. And it's a gathering of people from all backgrounds uh, approaching the presence of God. And uh, these words are recorded in, uh, from verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, Many people will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. And so it's not just about me going to uh, God's presence. It's about me going and actually saying to somebody else, come with me. Come to God's presence. By the way, come with me to God's presence. So the challenge is ours. And so in this time of reflection, I invite you to, to pause and think about uh, what Jesus has done through the simple biscuit that represents his body. The little juice represents his, his blood. And what does it mean to welcome in response to having been welcomed first? Why don't I pray before we do that? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are indeed uh, a good God as we've sung before. You are faithful. You are just. And in the context in which we find ourselves now, um, it doesn't take long to be reminded that we do indeed live in a fragile and uncertain world. But Lord, we acknowledge that you are indeed King. You are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that means that you have set a kingdom on, on, on earth that is different to the way in which other kings and authorities operate. And we thank you for your example through Jesus, establishing the kingdom and saying, there is a better way to live. Come, let me show you what that looks like. And ultimately, sacrifice is, uh, is the major theme that we're focusing right now. And Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you are um, alive today and that you invite us to come to your table and to remember that. So thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross. Thanks for welcoming me, for welcoming us. And may we be reminded that we need to welcome others. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Let's do that now.